So does your career energize you with life or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. So lots of fantastic nuggets in this week's conversation with my guest and former colleague, Melissa Flynn, who today runs her own public relations and marketing consultancy, even though in college, ironically enough, Melissa was actually on path to becoming an engineer. What really piqued my interest about that and Melissa was the level of insight and clarity she had while she was on this path. Not atypically, Melissa found herself on a path that, as she says, chose her, a reality she very candidly attributes to things like family pride and other subtle pressures. But what really fascinated me personally was both her ability to recognize the path as being a bad one for her and the sure-footedness with which she then put an end to it. Two important capabilities I'm thinking we should all be equipped with. And as you'll hear towards the end of our conversation, part of what gives Melissa clarity in her decision-making is her internal compass, and she offers us some really concrete examples of how it is she goes about reading hers, both physically and mentally. Really well worth the listen. So without further ado, please allow me to present to you Melissa Flynn. Well, firstly, thank you for agreeing to do this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Question number one for you. So do you ever think about the concept of purpose or mission or what it is I'm meant to be doing here on this planet? I think about it all the time. And it's actually what drove my last and hopefully final career choice, but knowing myself well, that it may very well not be. (laughs) (laughs) Because like you, I'm extremely curious and something always piques my interest and takes me in another direction. But yeah, I mean, in particular, this last move from going from an agency structure to uh, an independent status yep. was all about finding purpose. And particularly what I was feeling was that in an agency setting, I was kind of having to focus in large part on one major client or two at a high level, right? And and it didn't allow for me to then say in a conglomerate kind of setting, hey, could we also take on this little nonprofit? It just really didn't fit. And so what I was feeling was that while I was assisting, you know, major companies do important things, right? At the end of the day, I was not feeling like I was contributing. And that is part of who I am as a, my core is giving back. And I don't mean giving back in the sense of just like food, you know, pantries and things. I mean, truly, like I feel that my, my, job in life has always been to use my skills for good, right? And I think you can do that in a whole lot of ways. I think you can do that working for a corporation, for a nonprofit. But for me, I wasn't finding a balance. So where I netted out was, okay, what is my purpose? Am I giving back at all? And in the way that makes fulfills me personally and professionally. And I think it was the personal side that really didn't 
wasn't being, um, I guess, expressed. Yep. So my core purpose, back to your question, was really kind of being left behind. Yeah. So I think that's why I made this move. It allows me to be an independent and work both for big corporations and then also work for nonprofits. And so I feel that at the end of the day, I'm doing something for our community. Um, I'm doing something, hopefully, you know, for our world and yep. something my children can be proud of. But more broadly, then I'm also contributing to the kind of work that oftentimes you can't find in nonprofit worlds, which is more corporate and the, and the bigger challenges. So, yeah, I think about it all the time. Thinking back, when would you say you sort of started thinking about this kind of this idea and your um, your contribution and what your kind of purpose and point in life is? I'm not sure there was a particular point as much as yeah. I knew that it's core to who I am. Yep. So my first stint in public relations for um, a nonprofit was back almost 20 years ago now. And that, and then I ended up going to agency and doing other things. But the reason I know that it's part of my core is because I keep coming back to it. Right? I yep. go and I do work, um, you know, for major organizations and, and I feel really great about the work. And then I would say, Oh my goodness. So I just helped them make a bunch of money. You know, right. Right. <laughs> it, it wasn't because it was bad. It just didn't feel like I was true to myself. So I kept coming back to it in typically in a board form. So I'd, I'd volunteer my time. I'd go on a board. So I kept finding myself in the same circle. And so I, I guess I could say, Ger, it, it probably went back to almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And more recently, and perhaps it's because I'm getting older. Perhaps it's because I've been doing this for a long time. And perhaps it's because I have a family. But I sort of feel like in my mind, okay, are you going to just keep dabbling or are you going to actually commit some dedicated time to this? Yep. And I think it just kind of all the stars aligned and I decided to take the leap because I felt like I couldn't contribute in a meaningful way on a board anymore. It, I needed to do something more, more, um, what's the word? I guess more direct every day as opposed, as opposed to a monthly board meeting, which did not feel like I was really contributing. So give us a sense. What is it that you're doing? Uh, first of all, what is it that you're doing today? And then okay. how, how is it connecting to that purpose? So today I have probably a 50-50 mix of client load. Yep. And it's pretty purposeful. I am working for a handful of nonprofits and fairly sizable ones. These aren't, yeah. one is smaller but it, I believe it's a burgeoning nonprofit that will eventually become even larger because of its, of its um, purpose and mission. But more broadly, I'm trying to work with nonprofits that I believe can afford, frankly, an independent counselor yep. that really value public relations. So it's not that I'm just trying to give away skills or give away counsel. It's that really people who value what I do. Yep. So there's something in that, if I'm being really honest, it's just they have to value public relations. If they don't, then I'm probably not a good fit for them. Yep. Um, but then the other mix, the other 50% is working for large organizations, um, very large companies. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm do, I'm working with others to do public relations on a whole, you know, a whole mix. And where I love it is because I could go into a nonprofit, spend half a day helping them really think through a strategic plan. How does their mission uh, fit into that, make sure that we're really in service of their goals and that they feel good about what they're doing. Yep. I can go home and feel like I'm actually helping move a mission. Yes. Then I can flip and I can work for a major organization and help them move their mission, although it's it for profit, 
Yep. And I, at the same time, I feel good about that. And the two seem to just sort of marry together so well. And I don't feel like I'm giving up one for the other. Yeah. So if it continues, well, it's a little bit of a, it's part art, part science. I'll be honest. I have this plan and somehow it always seems to go in one direction or the other. <laughs> right. But I really do enjoy the balance. It keeps me feeling good about myself. And it is part of who I am as a, as, you know, as a person. And I feel like unless I can serve both sides, I'm not sure I'll ever be fully happy. Let me ask a question from another angle. Are you today in your career where you thought you would be when you were younger? What a great question. No. <laughs> Short answer is no. I think that it, when I was right out of college, after having done a whole bunch of internships that didn't exist that I helped people create because back then there weren't internships yep. um, and, and get paid nothing to do them right. um, and take the bus to get there, I think in my mind, I really thought I was going to be the biggest ladder climber ever. I, I really uh -huh. did. I wanted the top. I wanted... I mean, I kind of wanted what I achieved at Ketchum, really. You know, yep. you get sort of to a pinnacle and you're, but I think I thought I even beyond that. And it's funny, that matters to me so little now. Yeah. <laughs> that if you could have told me that, you know, 20 some years ago, I would have laughed and said, oh, come on. You know, you've worked so hard your whole life. You've always been so driven to give it up and go out on your own and to do this sort of solo. Really? And people keep coming to you for jobs and you say, no, thanks, I'll pass. Um, right, right. <laughs> um, no, I would not have said that, but I believe that this is at my essence who I should be. But going back then, I don't think like all things, you're a parent, you never think, uh, you never know what you know now. Right. So w when you were younger, you had a vision of being uh, higher up in a corporation. Were there any other ideas of what you wanted to be when you grew up that you had when you were younger? I almost became a lawyer. Okay. Interestingly. So I actually, this is a fascinating story. People can't believe it because I'm such an outgoing person and they think I, you know, good people person. I actually started off in engineering okay. at college and I was an, I was an engineering major because I was strong at science and math. And as you recall, way back before it was really, you know, uh, popular for right. women, people were like, if you're good at math and science, you need to go and be an engineer. So I did it. And um, I went into engineering and I really, really disliked it and realized very soon after that that was not where I meant to be. I, I did fine. It was not that. I just knew that I was the, uh, was it the square peg in the round hole? Yep. I, I just did not fit in that environment. Nobody talked, first of all, which is a major problem for me. <laughs> um, but, but the other, but the other thing, it just, it didn't feel right. I just knew I hadn't found it, whatever it yep. was. Um, then I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. So I actually went through the entire LSAT process, uh, you know, all the, 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 the hard work that you have to do to go through all that and then realized, one day when um, a girlfriend of mine had, be already, had already become a lawyer and I was talking to her and she was telling me about how she had spent an entire day working through one little nuance, a uh, legal nuance. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to pull my eyelashes out. I right. will pull my eyelashes out one by one. Right. And I, I can, there's no way I can do this. It's not that I, I couldn't. I just thought, no, I, that's not my joy. I mean, yeah. that is actually my pain. So right. I don't know what I have watched too much L.A. law or whatever in my mind. I, I'm not sure why, but I think I thought I was a fairly good at making an argument. Uh -huh. So I, in my mind, I thought that would be. So those were my two options. And then I fell into PR kind of all at the same time. And I just it was like bells going off. Yeah. It, it's not to say that I didn't have extremely hard 
first jobs that people really, I look back on the amount of red writing and editing on my work going back and it makes me think, well, good thing they did because I'm better for it, but ouch. Right. So uh, that's, I'm, I cannot tell you, I've looked back even once after that. I knew that was my life. I just yeah. knew it. What led you to go into the engineering path in the first place? When did that start? What age? Early, very early, because my father was an engineer. Uh-huh. I lived in Detroit. I grew up in Detroit. So um, my father went to University of Michigan. A long line of people around me were engineers. Um, a lot of people really just pointed. I, I think I was a bit of an anomaly. I remember uh-huh. sitting in science and math classes and calculus and people saying, well, if you're good at this, he should really pursue this. Women in engineering, right? Back yeah. then, there wasn't the word STEM. Did I, I never had heard that until my children were in right. school. And so that was really interesting to me that women in engineering, I mean, they even put me into this like women in engineering class <laughs> right. back then because it, it was a different thing. And I remember being proud that I could fit into something like that when it seemed so uh, kind of rare. There weren't many of us. There were only three that I recall in our in my first lecture that I sat in, three women. Yep. And so for me, it was kind of a path that drove itself. I think it was the pride factor in my family, the fact that I was decent at it. There were plenty of jobs. I could go to University of Michigan, which interestingly enough, I didn't go there for engineering. I decided I needed to get away from my, my life and my family. I went to Purdue for engineering uh-huh. and then dropped out and went back to University of Michigan for communications. Okay. So, which is really funny. So I went to all that trouble, right? Yeah. And uh, to do something that I didn't like. And that's kind of where I think it, it's a path. You know, I'm thinking about other people. I think it's a path that drove itself. And I think that happens a lot. This is yeah. Melissa's little soapbox in, in people's lives. Like I could even see it in my own friends and my children how things can take on a life of their own before you even have made a decision what right. you are choosing as opposed to what's choosing you. As you're going through that engineering path, mm-hmm. when do you become, at what point do you become sort of consciously aware that this is not the path for you? Hmm. Well, I made one of my very best friends in that first semester. And I was sitting next to her, not knowing she was going to be one of my best friends in life after that, who mm-hmm. also, by the way, consequently, is now a high up in an, in an advertising firm, which I think is <laughs> ironic. We both left it behind and said, see you, engineering. Right. But we sat next to each other. And I think there was a moment in a C programming class. It was a lecture. Yeah. And uh, I looked around, and it was all guys, and no one was talking. No one was even trying to chit-chat. And the two of us were doing a crossword puzzle. And I think that kind of said it all because the two of us were listening and looking at each other like, what are we doing here? Everyone else is jumping rope and we're bouncing ball, right? Yeah. Bouncing the ball. And I just didn't like it. Yeah. I remember thinking, this is not getting me knowing myself, right? And I can't speak for every everyone, but I am one of these people that if something hits me that I'm interested in, before I know it, I've bought four books, I'm taking a class, I'm talking to people about it. I get excited. It's just yeah. how I work. I don't think I had talked about one thing. I think I talked about how, qu- how quick can we get out of here, you know? Yeah. And I think I knew, but I think I was... Early on, I read the tea leaves of the room and thought, I know myself well enough to know, I don't know what I want to do, but this isn't it. And thankfully, I'm not a quitter in my mind, so I gave it my all and I did fine, but I didn't like a minute of it. And I remember thinking, okay, I don't think at this stage of the game, you're not supposed to like anything. Right, right. (laughs) That's what it was. And so um, I think all my... All the things that had been programmed into my head, girl, you could do this. You're a woman. You should do engineering. I think 
I, I felt some guilt. Like, yeah. gosh, I'm going to let these people down. And then I remember thinking, yeah, but I'm going to let myself down if I don't get a job or if I hate it. Right. Um, right. So that's kind of, and I, I had to bite the bullet. I just remember calling my parents at the time and saying, I hate this. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I'm trying and I'm not giving up. You know me. I don't give up on anything, but I don't think I jive here. <laughs> yeah. And what, and what was their, what was their response? Oh, they weren't thrilled. <laughs> they're, they're super supportive. They're very supportive individuals, but they had saved. I mean, they had saved a lot of money to try to help me get through college. And I think this represented to them, wow, shouldn't you give it another semester? Right. Um, are you sure after all the efforts that you've made that you just want to start again and this might put you behind and but then ultimately I think and thankfully and hopefully I will file this away when my kid comes to me and says he wants to be you know a game warden or or something strange I'm like what do you want to do right (laughs) Um, that they trusted me and they said you know ultimately if you're not happy it doesn't matter so they let me do it I I still to this day I'm grateful for that because I know that it was a big investment. You mentioned your dad was an engineer. Can I ask what, what did your mom do? Teacher. She said she had two options, teacher and nurse. Yeah. And she went the teacher route or stay at home mom. And she said she wasn't that. So there's, there's <laughs> where she landed. Got it. And what, what kind of impact would you say? Um, and you mentioned some, obviously the, the engineering impact was, was not insignificant, but what kind of impact would you say that they have had on your career path and your decision-making throughout the years? Primarily just support. I think in the sense that I wasn't one of those kids that needed a whole lot of, come on, let's focus. What are you going to do? You know, which I can now see as a parent, how you might need that for a child or two. (laughs) Right. I was not that kid. Right. I was probably born. I think my first report card in kindergarten was she was real bossy. It doesn't surprise me. Right. (laughs) Right. I was, I I really, I think I've always been driven. I've always had sort of, you know, that nature. So I'm not sure they ever needed to be the catalyst for anything in particular. I think what they needed to do in my life was just provide support. So for example, you know, my first job was in downtown Detroit. It was an internship that was unpaid because the internship didn't exist. I begged my way in. The woman took me in, but my parents said, okay, we're going to give you a car, but the car is barely good enough to make it across town and back because it's what we can pull off. So you're going to have to take park and ride. So them giving me the ability to get myself to park and ride every day was to me enormous because I could never have done it without that. So I went and I drove my lovely little beater down to park and ride and I paid for my my bus ride downtown for the first, and that allowed me to get that internship. Had they not done that, which I think they knew, they could have said, hey, can't pull this off. And so that's at the very beginning of my career. And I was grateful because I wasn't getting paid, but boy, was it awesome. And they knew it was really fueling me. Yeah. Um, later on, I think I, ha- I had more of a gut check kind of deal. I was like, I remember talking to them and, them, and saying things like, um, gosh, I-, I don't know if this is fulfilling to me. This feels a little strange. What do y'all think? You've been in this, you, you did your careers for so long. Um, and they would give me the gut check, like, what do you set? What do you sense you're missing? And they'd have a lot, my father in particular, but my mother's always been my biggest cheerleader. You know, it's not what we're, as mom's supposed to be, right? <laughs> She's always been my biggest cheerleader. Yeah, whatever you want, honey, you can do it. Yep. Yeah, and that's wonderful. And I'm grateful. I think my father was perhaps more the business side. And he would say things like, well, you know, are you making the kind of money that you need to make? Are you saving? Do you feel good? And I think 
even having someone ask me those questions probably forced what I already sensed. Yeah. And are there any things that you think you picked up from them just by observing them throughout the years? Two things. One is obviously work ethic. Both of them are tireless workers. They have, uh, and they always would come home, take a break, and then come downstairs with a smile on their face. Like it was like they'd shake their day. But I remember how hard they worked and that absolutely is part of me. I know yep. it is because they, but the second thing, and it is, it's, it's interesting. It actually almost makes me emotional to talk about it, but, um, is integrity. Yep. They are so, such, um, they have such incredible integrity and yep. both of them faced in their jobs, particularly my father, but my mother had her own share as well in teaching because teaching is always sounds so, so you know, happy and it's, it really can be so political. And both of them have faced such nasty situations, which we all do. Let's be honest. Someone throws you under the bus. Someone chooses not to take the high road. It doesn't give you credit for work. You know, you can come up with buckets of things. That has been who I am as myself. That is, that is infiltrated, not just my work, but I live by that. And it is actually without getting into much detail, it is partly affected my work choices as well in several stages where I have chosen to leave because I did not feel that the people running the show or the people who who were supposed to have my back didn't. And you know what? My belief is you can either sit there and whine about it or you can make a decision full of um, strength and commitment to what you want as opposed to complain about what you can't. And I, I know that is them. Because that's how they live. Yeah. You know, they, they don't sit there and whine about the past. They don't sit there and, and do it. They, they have made choices throughout their life that are all about integrity and living with integrity. And that is, if I, I hope <laughs> that people who know me, 99% would say, you know, she would never do that because that's who she is. Tell me a little bit more about this idea of making decisions with commitment and strength. How easy or hard is that to do? I think... Perhaps you face this as well. I believe there have been times in my career that it has been crystal clear. I, I, it's just come to me like this is not acceptable. I have to just bite the bullet because it is going again. It's making me not feel well. I'm not sleeping. I don't feel like I'm being the person I want to be to my family or my friends or even my coworkers. Yeah. Um, I think I'm a pretty tough cookie on myself. And if I feel that I'm not living up to the standards that I've set for myself, then I need to make a change. It's yep. just, that's for me, the commitment and the strength come from that. Now, I will tell you also, having been through some personal challenges in the last handful of years, that those decisions don't always come easy if they have uh, monetary implications and you need to support a family or, um, or you have, you know, connection to someone and you don't want to hurt feelings or there, you know, there are a variety of things yeah. I think that can factor into those and those decisions aren't as easy, but I think at the end of the day, all you can do is trust your compass. And for me, my compass has always been, can I be myself? Can I, can I do my job with integrity and at the highest standard? Because that's what I hold myself to. And can I really have fun? Like, do I enjoy talking about what I'm doing? Am I proud? Yeah. And if I can't do all of that, then I'm not in the right place. And so therefore, if I don't find the strength, shame on me. Talking about um, money, on a scale of, of zero to 10, where zero is a total non-issue and 10 is a big, dark, gloomy shadow, 
How large a shadow would you say that financial considerations have had on your career path to date? Depends on where I was at. I think earlier on in life, it was not that big of a deal because I didn't have much. So I didn't. So anything I made was better than what I had. <laughs> what you had, exactly. <laughs> right, you know. We've been through those things. I was like, wow, look at this. We can go out to eat. That's right. Uh, it was great. Uh, as you have children and take on more things, it matters more, I think. And it also is a pride factor, right? Look yep. at me. I want my I want my promotion to, to be equal to my value, et cetera. Um, I would say in the last 10 years, it's changed fairly drastically for me only because of personal situations for me. And at one point I had to be the sole breadwinner uh, for my children and carry pretty much everything on my own. Yep. And that was particularly challenging for me uh, because at that point in the to- in time, if I'm being really fair, we were living pretty well. And then all of a sudden it was, it, the onus was on me to carry the day. Yep. And that was pretty pressure filled. And because of that, um, I think where it ended up netting me was probably money was like a nine at that stage of course. because I was, I, I thought I have my children. That is all that matters. My house, my children, my livelihood. Right. And that's yep. really, it's as you, you probably have been through as a parent. It was funny. All the rest of it didn't matter to me. Yep. It's could they not be impacted by this now since then it's probably down to a five or a six now. Yep. Because I have to make ends meet. I still have, you know, the house to pay for and my life to pay for. And I frankly, I do want to feel valued at this stage in my career because I give a lot. But at the end of the day, if I am not fulfilled, that that number goes down very drastically because I'm not willing to do what I did before. I'm not willing to take some of the, the stuff, if you will, yep. <laughs> that I took before. I'm not doing that anymore. If I, If I don't enjoy the work, I'm willing to let the money drop. Let's jump around here for a second. Um, thinking back on your career to date and thinking back about your friends, family, and colleagues, has there been a consistent thread in the type of advice that people have sought from you? Now that I think about it, I think people do a lot about what I'm talking about now, which is I find extremely flattering and humbling, which is how did you decide to make these changes? Yeah. What did you give up? Were you willing to do it? How did you know it was right? Those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, earlier on, I think it was more about how do I, how do I grow in my career? What am I not doing right? Can you be candid with me about what I'm lacking? And I, I would do my best in terms of, you know, I ran big teams and stuff. So I would say, based on my experience, you might want to look into this or that. But lately, it has been a lot. There are I find, and this is probably why I found um, your kind invitation to talk yep. to me, so interesting is because I have had conversations in the last year with, I would bet, over a dozen people. It could probably, it w- might be significantly higher if I actually went and look back. Yeah, so interestingly, a lot of people coming to you for career sort of life type advice. Yes. What, what do yes. you make of that? I think a lot of people are darn unhappy in their jobs. And I think we all go into our jobs Thinking what's for the right reason, and a lot of times, and this is no judgment, this is reality. I mean, I did it too, where you go into your job for one reason, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, man, I did it for the promotion. I did it for the title. I did it for the money. Oh, goodness. Now where am I? And I think that's what I'm sensing from a lot of friends. They're like, I got to make a leap. This stinks. A couple more questions here before we wrap up, Melissa. 
Um, are there uh, any career decisions looking back that you would choose to undo or somehow redo? I'm not sure. I don't really live with much regret or undo. That's just kind of not how my brain works. But because yep. I believe everything you do really does take you in a path. Yep. And I can tell you, I learned something. And I can pretty much pinpoint it from almost every job, what I learned. <laughs> don't work for that guy because he was he lacked integrity. You know? Right. <laughs> Wish I had done this because I didn't lack with I didn't work with enough integrity. Um, I think there was a middle section of my career. I worked for one agency in particular for quite some time, almost a decade. And I loved it. It shaped my career. I learned by far the most of any it was kind of a I would call it my middle formative years. For some reason it really shaped who I was as as a professional and I believe for the better. I don't think I was the best manager. I don't think I asked for enough help. I don't think that I was willing to look weak yeah. enough. And I don't think that I um, was willing to say uncle. I took on too much without saying no. I, I, I just feel like it was sort of, I put it in that climber level where you want to achieve and you're not willing to look like I don't know it all. And the reality is I didn't know it all. I wasn't right. the best manager. I needed to work on some things. Um, I needed to ask friends for more help, but I think I was afraid of not looking like I had it all figured out with the big Superman cape. I, there were a bunch of things that when I look back that I wish I had done, but I believe that the behind kicking that I got in the, in a good way, what I, which I mean is, you know, you yep. get your review, you think you do some things well and not others, well, you learn, you hire someone that was a bad fit. Well, maybe I should have asked for some more advice before I hired that person. All of those things led me to, I hope, be a better manager, yep. um, boss, uh, colleague, worker, whatever you want to call it, worker B, I believe that all of that adds up to the person I hope I project today. So I'm not sure yep. I would undo it, yep. but I would say that I, every once in a while, I wish I had done those a little better because I look back and I think, oh, you could have done that better, you know, yep. but I, I'm not sure I could have at the time. If I'm, if I'm being real honest, I'm not sure I could have. I appreciate that. And so last question here, Melissa, knowing what you know today, how would you advise your younger self? The best advice I, I could tell me then, I believe, would be to, to follow your compass, yep. right? Never, ever second guess your compass. If you're, and I'm not talking your compass, which is driven by like money and status. I'm saying in your core, I think we all know. I think we really do all know what we want and what we need to feel fulfilled and whole. And I'm not sure that we always follow that compass because we get uh, pulled into something because of the, the flashy, shiny thing. Yeah. So I believe that the flashy, shiny thing will always be there, probably until the day I die. Right. But if you follow what's inside and the core. I call them my like core commandments. My kids hear me say this stuff, but my core like beliefs, yeah, my values. If I follow my core values, it will always lead me to the right decision. I believe not, not maybe a hundred percent, but maybe 95. And that would be the advice I'd give to my own children. So I guess that would be my younger self is guys, no matter what happens, just know that like search deep and don't just get, you know, the shiny flashy thing hanging or the carrot dangling, just really trust your inner self to follow the path that you believe will actually do what you want to do in life. Talk to me about that, that compass. How do you read it? Oh, it's a great question. I think for me, it's, it's, it's physical and mental. Yeah. 
it is physical and mental. I, like you, am a runner and not half as good as you, but I'm, I'm a decent runner. And I know that when I feel stressed on a regular basis, not just like your average day stress, but like something is nagging at me, that's a sign. Yep. That's a compass thing for me. If I'm running all the time, if I literally feel myself wanting to go for a run or exercise or do something, then something's up because I'm not managing something right. Yep. If, if I question my own decision on something and it's not just done, I'm not a steward. So for me, if I've made a decision, I typically am pretty good about just living in the moment and with that decision. If it keeps re- <laughs> keeps coming back up in my mind and I'm thinking about it and thinking about it, typically it means that my compass is telling me you kind of went off course. So yep. you were projected north, but afterwards, really, you kind of ended up northeast. It's probably because the way you handled it was slightly off kilter for your values. Yeah, Those kinds of things, that's how I read my compass. So if those things come back up, I don't ignore them anymore. I think earlier on in my career, girl, I probably ignored them and pushed them aside. Now I know that they actually affect my ability to sleep at night, my ability to feel good about myself, to be a good parent, to not feel like, oh, time for another, you know, 15 mile run. Right, right. <laughs> to try to get rid of whatever I'm dealing with. I, I really try to deal with that stuff head on because um, those little signs, when they add up, they aren't little. Yep. They're fairly significant, I find. Melissa Flynn. Amazing conversation. Really, really insightful, and I really appreciate your uh, your candid uh, journey. Well, I'm just, this was so insightful for me as I'm reflecting on my own career, so thank you so much for asking me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gerd Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating and especially your review of the show on iTunes would also be hugely helpful and very much appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a great guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com. 